my hari mai to Circuit Cast, the podcast dedicated to artist moving image. I'm Robbie Hancock, and it's my pleasure to host this final episode of 2021. Today, I am talking to a small group of curators from around Aotearoa to talk about the year in art. Welcome to Abby Kinane, Director of the Physics Room in Ōtutahi, Nigel Burrell, Curator of this year's Moana Waiwai, Moana Party at Totai Gallery, and Sophie Davis, who has recently relocated from Wellington to take up a role as Curator at Dunedin Public Art Gallery. We'll kick off with our first question, and maybe the biggest one, which is, what was your favourite exhibition of 2021? Abby had some opinions, so we'll start with Abby. Okay, so... I'm going to do something I wouldn't really do and say an exhibition that I didn't see in person. I feel like I get a, get a, um, a pass this year because it was extremely hard to travel for the most of the year. So the exhibition that I didn't see but I thought and think looks absolutely amazing was Stars Start Falling um, with Tuani Tebo, Salome, Tanuvasa and Annie O'Neill. Um, that was curated by Hannah Heva Rose at the Garbett Brewster. What I did see was publication, which is an incredible piece of work I wish everyone on the on the podcast could see that but what I loved about this is I was aware of that project launching I was aware of it and when it was in progress but actually the first thing I did was I read a bunch of of the text that was in the publication by Hannah Heber and then I went to see the exhibition and it felt like a really slow and graceful way into the exhibition and it was the first time that I thought oh maybe given that these this is the world we're living in like we're not going to every gallery and we're not seeing everything, having the opening parties, maybe there's other ways to kind of approach this. I suppose some things that I particularly loved about it, I'm so interested in the intergenerational span that it covered, something like a span of 50 years, the work in that show covered from Tuani's paintings from the 60s through to very contemporary work by each of the artists. I think Hannah Heva wrote and spoke really beautifully about processes of knowledge and learning and memory and that got me thinking about, I guess, the differences between each of those kind of ideas, but also the the connectedness. I remember one other thing which really stuck with me in looking at as many images as I could online subsequently was something that was probably in the catalogue as well about engagement with the everyday and with the extraordinary. And that really struck me. So a lot of these works are made at kitchen tables and in reference to gardens, a lot of everyday things. But um, I think that's in the title too, this idea of stars start falling, something that very much transcends the ordinary as well, something effervescent and extra and beyond. I guess that's why I go to exhibitions to sort of understand the ordinary a bit more, but then also there's something very transformative in my experience of this exhibition, albeit at that kind of second or third Mm. degree. Mm. Yeah. Sophie, favourite of 2021? One of my favourite exhibitions of the year is Bridget Liberty's Francis Hodgkin's show, Pukai Whenua, Pukai Moana. So it is the outcome of her Hodgkin's fellowship down here in Ōtipoti. And I think that it's a really significant and layered body of work. It takes traditional photographic processes and uses those to sort of subvert our understanding of the landscape or the representation of the landscape and how it is mediated through image and also narratives associated with the landscape here in um, Tiwai Ponamu. And I think for me, it's really exciting to see Bridget 
develop this body of solo work sort of alongside her work with Mata Aho, who have obviously had a huge year this year. And I think on a personal level, so I grew up in the South Island and I've just relocated down here. And sort of being down here and walking into Bridget's exhibition, I found it really exciting to see her as a tauranga moana artist engaging with the stories of this part of the country in such a thoughtful way through all these different kinds of photographic processes. So there's moving image, which is kind of like the heart or the anchor of the show. is sort of a huge projection um, with a soundscape when you walk into the gallery. But then there was also um, sort of this body of silver gelatin photographs, photograms on ponamu and argillite and other kinds of rock that's found in this part of the country and stereograms I think they're called they're those sort of 3D images that you can look through that spring into sort of a 3D landscape when you hold up those like glasses they're sort of a really old-fashioned way of bringing the landscape alive and they were used back um, in the early history of photography here in Aotearoa as like a tourist kind of postcard um, to sort of send back to England or make people feel like they were on holiday in New Zealand and Bridget really uses all of those different kinds of processes and different histories to construct something that's poignant and humorous yeah so I know that she's working on a publication that will come out of that show and I'm excited to see it. Nigel favorite show of 2021? What I saw of 21 in the in the flesh it's funny eh? because like until August I felt like I was getting a good dose of things, including catching up with Abby down in Christchurch. And it was done in Dunedin while I was based in Christchurch on a week visit that I saw Trudy Mickey Harrington's show at Blue Oyster, entitled Special mm. Time Ehara Iteti. And I just was fascinated. I was really quite captivated. It's basically an installation which is very, uh, I suppose, immersive in terms of a soundscape. It's, it's quite a rich uh, sound work that she's collaborated with fellow artists to create. It's contemplating in the bigger picture these ideas about te within our creation stories and this idea of potentiality, which has seemed to really captivate people this year. I've seen a few shows now where the theming is looking at this idea of potentiality through some of our oldest narratives, which I also explored in the biggest show at Auckland Art Gallery in the last year. But it's been fascinating seeing how other people have interpreted these ideas and done such amazing explorative things with them. And for me, uh, Trudy Mickey's work at The Voice was really quite quite a revelation and it was so fresh you know when you think about well when I think about what other young contemporary artists are engaging with given that our younger ones are the, are the bravest most often and the most naive but also the biggest um the biggest reward I suppose is in that that bravery and that creativity and I was reminded of that when I saw her installation and of course, if anyone knows the, the Blue Oyster, got the main exhibition space and the little cubby at the back. And in the room at the back, it's all painted in black. And that's really where the soundscape resonates. It feels, if you're familiar with, you know, Buddhist meditation, it's got those sort of overtones to it. And it's, it's a little bit unnerving, but at the same time, really quite captivating. And in the middle of that little space in this black, painted room is a little a hei tiki taonga 
which has been commissioned by Lewis Gardner. I'm not sure if it's for this exhibition or if it's just part of life intertwined into it. I get the feeling that it is. But at the same time, this Heitsuki figure is a personification of the future. And of course, there's all these ideas about time being explored, not just in the creation story, but in the way we interpret space, with the way we consider knowledge and the way in which the creation story points to a different way of thinking about those things. So for me, I was really quite captivated with that work and, yeah, have been intriguingly following her practice since. Uh, yeah, that was for me one really interesting, out of the blue show that I saw and really responded to. The other that I felt was really strong and deserves a mention is Taimoana Taitangata at Gavit Brewster. I only got to see it at the beginning of the year and then also got to see it at, at City Gallery. Another extremely powerful work by Brett Graham, created by Anna-Marie White. It's apocalyptic, it's futuristic, it's historical, it's prophetic, it's profound. In typical Brett Graham fashion, it's a well-conceived, well-constructed and extremely well-executed exhibition project. And it's nice to see him again really, whoa, it's been a long time since he's taken us into stage quite the way that he, he does with that exhibition. And to Anne-Marie's White's credit, she's really done the homework. I mean, of course, the exhibition broadly talks about the history of the region, not just with the coastline and colonisation, but also with Waikato and Tainui peoples. See that they've really done an amazing job with the way it looks, but also the content and the meanings behind the way in which we interpret and navigate the show. I did just want to add something to Nigel's uh, speaking about Brett Graham's show. I was, I've been thinking a lot this year about, actually maybe this applies to Tui's as well, to Tūrumepi's, but the effect on the body of when you see an amazing show, and this particularly happens with sound work, and then mm-hmm. we leave the space afterwards and we always talk about, you know, the like, do exhibitions have the capacity to transform or to change you? Um, and it's often talked about like in your mind, but I've been thinking quite a lot about how exhibitions can change you in a physical or a bodily sense. And that was definitely my experience. I saw Brett Graham's book when it was in Taranaki and I remember leaving and I was like, I felt like my body was sort of rumbling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think also being able to, experience work with other people in space Mm. is something that I definitely miss like I remember one of the first exhibitions that I saw post lockdown in the middle of the year was at the physics room and I remember being in the gallery and seeing the work but also listening to this amazing soundscape by Rachel Shearer with a couple of friends and just being like oh yeah this is like what art is about, like it's fun and you get to experience it with other people, but it's very easy to kind of lose that when you're not able to go to the gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I miss kind of just wandering around um, with people and being able to visit shows in different parts of the country and do that. Yeah, I think you're right, Abby. I think when I think about Tudemiki's show, you know, sometimes you, you, you leave with a visual image or you leave with a feeling or an, a memory, and with that show, I'm left with this sort of vibration or this hum because it's so it's such an overwhelming aspect of the installation and the presentation. And 
that's yeah quite unique and it'd be nice to see it in, in the north island yeah which brings me to another point which has been a revelation for me this year is Ari to wilkinson kindly um offered me this artisan residence uh this year over june and july which was awesome and Oxford, just north of Christchurch. And I made this observation around how much we don't know what's going on in the South Island, us North Islanders, in terms of <laughs> art, in terms of what people are doing. Of course, as soon as you say that, you get slapped over the head for being so, what an ignorant thing to say. But it's really true. And um, I just says, oh, look, you know, I don't think the North Island has the faintest idea what, what's going on down here but also what, what we might be uniquely interested differently in. Mm. And that was quite interesting for me to sort of experience that and to be open to uh, engaging with that. Um, not that I was closed off to it, but yeah, it was quite amazing to, to be embraced by a different island, a different orientation on some of those ideas that we see differently up here. Mm-hmm. I think that when artists are practising down here as well, there's kind of less of a... Um, I think there's a sense that no one's sort of watching, like there is in Auckland. So it's sort of like, oh, we can do what we want. We can sort of be a bit less self-conscious or something, um, which I find really, really interesting. It can make work insular, but it can also make it more playful, which I think... I'm self-conscious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also like really looking closely at where we are in the world and really thinking about that. And I think someone like Arita you know, her work is so thoughtful in response to those questions. So, yeah, I, I appreciate what you're saying, Nigel. My impression is I lived in Wellington for about 13 years and sort of didn't travel south very often. Uh, my impression of the galleries out there in particular, um, Physics Room and Blue Oyster, was that they had a very good open view of the country as a whole. And looking at artists where, like, from various parts of the country, um, and bringing them together, perhaps more so than than Tamaki. I don't know. Would you agree? I don't know. It's just a, there's a different energy going on in the South Island, and um, there's a different everything. And I just found that refreshing. There's a different creation narrative for a start. You know what I mean? It's just it's refreshing to sort of be reminded of the diversity of for me at least, of Māori knowledge and cultural understandings and everything else that goes with those. It's refreshing and it's it's highly recommended. Yeah, I guess it's just like encountering all that difference within a place that you that you think you know. It's awakening. Yeah. Mm. We are a moving image podcast. Is there a moving image work that was a standout for all of you this year? For me, one that, that stood out was a work by Anna Iti that she made actually well, as I understand, she made well on residency down here um, at the Arts Centre. The work is called Trapped in a Kiss, and it was part of the Māori Moving Image Key Te Uru that Bridget Rewiti and um, Mel Oliver curated. I think what was especially special for me about that work was in some ways... So she was responding to or thinking about Ralph Hortiri's relationship with text and with printing. And, of course, Anna's an artist who's worked a lot with, with language and different processes of uh, speaking and listening. And what was really compelling for me was that there was this, there is this big uh, Ralph Hortiri show that was on at Christchurch Art Gallery at the same time or roughly concurrent with it. 
And Anna's work to me was like this, a reply, a smaller scale, but nonetheless like a, a complex reply. And it engaged with some, some letterpress printing processes, the disused, the Limework Studio that's in Ototahi here. So it sort of, I guess it brought home a lot of the bigger concepts or universal kind of ideas that we were seeing in, in the rough Hotere show. But it was just in a, in a language that I felt like, oh, this is a scale that I feel very, feels very intimate. It's a work that makes you really think about the way that the dissemination of language has to do with the dissemination of knowledge um, and all the materials that are part of that, all the bodily relationships that are part of that. It's a super beautiful work. I hope, um, I hope everyone gets to see it. Yeah, I managed to see that as part of the Māori Moving Image Show at Te Uru. Yeah, there is um, yeah, a really beautiful kind of like confident quietness with um, mm. video, mm. which I enjoyed. I really like when she's working with the printing press as well, and it's like you see what a, what a like completely engulfing, bodily engulfing kind of process that is, and you see the relationship between the body and the, the machine uh, in a way that's like, it's almost like choreographic. It's mm. I really enjoyed Sonia Lacey's relation, Totally Dark, which is a Deneen Public Art Gallery exhibition, but not one that I was involved in. It was <laughs> on when I arrived at the gallery. Um, and I really, I don't know, Sonia is also someone who's had a huge year. And I feel like it's been really exciting to see her practice expand into these kind of larger video installation uh, opportunities. And so this is an install that's sort of responding to this project that she has been doing, which is about sort of rhythms of sleep and rest in a day. So she's sort of thinking about like labor and capitalist time and what might happen if we sort of broke the debt, like the unit of a day down into um, a kind of understanding of time that was outside of that. So it's a really beautiful kind of combination of sculptural work with three videos and one of them is shot in this place called the Sleep Research Institute at Massey University which doesn't exist anymore but um, it's essentially like a, a vacuum of a space that has totally artificial light and can be sort of manipulated and reconfigured to sort of replicate any time of the day um, and there are no cues as to what time it is so it's a space that's been used to research people's biological rhythms particularly when they can't sleep or there's some sort of something wrong or something restless about their sleep patterns so Sonia's installed there's sort of this big two-channel work shot inside that space and it's the sort of camera it's quite disorienting it looks at the ceiling which is this kind of tiled fluoro lights that can be sort of dimmed and softened um, to change um the body's response to, to light in particular cues. And then these two works shot on film. One of them sort of is a series of responses to what time of the day the artist thought it was at particular point. So she sets an alarm on her phone and she tries to describe the time of day without pointing to particular numbers or things like that. Yeah, that sort of hum of an experience that we were talking about before definitely came through with that install. Um, you sort of have the very kind of physical presence of these two film projectors and sort of the sound and even the heat that they generate. Um, and then this very kind of slick two-channel video work that is in this really artificial environment, really striking and really interesting thinking about... Um, Sonia's interest in um, moving image and materiality 
but also um, it sort of brings in her interest in publishing and as a unit of time as well, there's a um, one of the moving image works has this sort of scribble of pen on a page, which is ink, a pen is filled up with ink taken from um, a newspaper, in a, an issue of the Otago Daily Times. And she's sort of thinking about the newspaper as a unit for measuring time as well. And thinking about moving image kind of in the gallery and what that does, because I know that all of us have seen a lot of moving image on screens this year. But yeah, thinking about being with moving image in a space and what that experience is like. I think that's a show that really, well, a body of work that really stayed with me. Mm. Yeah. It seems it seems like, Sonia, and I might be wrong in this, there's a, like in the last couple of years, there's a greater kind of consideration for the install, like bordering onto like a sculptural practice almost. Mm. Um, I think even like the seats that you sit on, that she sort of provides for you become quite interesting. Um, in this particular install, there were sort of these metal seats with copper tops. And I know that she was sort of interested in the minerals and things that we need in our bodies to be able to generate the ability to sleep. And when you sat on them, they were very, very cold. And then they sort of slowly warmed up and you became quite self-conscious about, oh, is this something I can sit on? And I think that those kinds of devices are really clever at rethinking the relationship with just being passively watching something. Oh, and Nigel, any standout uh, moving image works from you? I mean, I'm going to go for the obvious and probably the one that sort of had the most impact on me for a range of reasons. And that was um, Lisa Rayhunter's He. It, of course, was that huge, is that huge installation, permanent installation at the Altia Centre, a digital moving image piece that's permanently installed on these LED screens in that space. Of course, it was repurposed into Toy 2 and the creation story, which he talks about the separation of Rangi and Papa. But in typical Lisa Rehana fashion, it focuses on the, the, the mother and son relationship of Tane and Papa Tuanuku. To me, I don't know, it was just quite a haunting work. I feel I'm a little bit biased for the obvious reasons that we all can point out, but at the same time, when you live with that work and you experience it, it's transformative. And I think one of the things that's fascinating with me about um, that work is that, it, okay, it's narrative-based and it's very, it's easy to access in terms of its its offer, but at the same time, it's, it feels very transformative. It takes you somewhere on a journey. You know, this this marriage of sound and moving image is sort of at its zenith in that piece. I, I suppose Lisa is as a leading moving image artist and, and uh, explorer of that medium is really just creating and really shunting our experiences and really strong and powerful ways now in, in her practice and um for for toy two you know um you were really engulfed by that work when you walked around the mm -hmm. corner i know this is really probably not better you know talk about a work that you put into your own show but um if i'm going to be honest it was one that still sort of sits with me as really quite profound i love the way that you could get lost in the work 
and in the space, even if you had a meeting in half an hour or in 10 minutes time or you were giving, you were, <laughs> you were in the middle of giving a, a talk to a group, you know, it's like, oh, that's right. Okay. We're going to carry on now. Um, you know, to me, that's this, that's the mark of something quite powerful when you can forget what you're doing mm-hmm. and be transported into an idea. Thank God for it, you know? And I suppose we've needed moving image. We've needed our artists this year more than ever to fall into other ways of seeing reality. Yeah. With moving image has been interesting with lockdowns, obviously, as being the easiest transportable, viewable work. Doing online screenings and things is a sort of closer proxy to experiencing a work than seeing a static image of an installation, I think. Also interesting that I think moving image can also ask quite a lot of audiences in terms of like attention. And, and I think that's one of the benefits of like working with art is that you, you're forced to watch and experience so much of it in a way that an audience member might not. Or like, you know, I know that I often wouldn't of my own accord go through multiple watches of uh, work unless I was working there. How do you but that in itself is an interesting experience, mm. isn't it? Because, I mean, as as an audience goer coming to see a show for the first time and making making an assessment of it as you would, is it's one experience. But living with an artwork, as we all do in our in our roles as curators and presenters, it's a different relationship. You know, you form a different relationship with the work, but you also get to ponder mm. it differently. You get to expand it and explore it in ways that you don't. When it's not looking at you every other day, you walk past it or turn it on or whatever you have to do with that work. Yeah. I love the feeling of revisiting a work as well multiple times and being able to kind of to access different things from it. And it can kind of depend on like even just how you're feeling in the day, I think. But I think that kind of yeah, that real privilege of kind of spending time with the show is something that yeah, I really appreciate and I think um, we're being able to visit a show multiple times and um, have these different encounters with the same works. I think there's also something just for the, the sort of counter view, there's something to be said for with moving image, like when you just let go of the feeling that you need to buckle up and watch the, you know, the mm. feature um, because it's just not, it's just not realistic sometimes. There's something quite freeing. I'm thinking actually of Robbie, your show, the is it Yuki Liyama? Um, Iyama. The Moomin family goes on a picnic. And I went there with my family who are like hardcore Moomin, Moomin family fans from way back before it was cool. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was sort of like a due diligence feeling. And then I was like, oh, my God, actually, I have heaps of context to bring to this. I don't know how long I spent in there, but it was like a very – short and nourishing and interesting encounter too so I sort of yeah I just want to represent for sometimes when you dip your toe in the water and it's also magic and then you you have to piece <laughs> yeah you do the work afterwards mm, so true we're also seeing like parts of a moving image work and then piecing it together over a long period of time I feel like that's also <laughs> something that happens to lots of us who has been your standout artist emerging artist for 2021 yeah, I think this one's maybe the hardest one because there's it's, so many great emerging artists. It's also a hard one to define. I think someone was telling me about um, someone at a publication was trying to compile a list of 
emerging artists versus established artists. Mm. And certain names came up that were like, oh, we don't know if they're established or emerging. And I was like, oh, it's kind of um, a pointless task to categorize <laughs> people yeah. now. Maybe, maybe we should term it emerging in our minds because, my Lord, it's such a minefield saying someone's wherever they are because they get so offended. It's like, I've been making art for 10 years, but you haven't ever heard of them. Or mm. like with me with uh, Tutimiki Harrington, you know, just being sort of introduced to her practice this year. But of course, you know, like all artists, they've been doing their thing in different ways for a long time. So let's make it all about us. And for me, you know, that's been an intriguing find uh, for me this year. Yeah. Can we rephrase the question as... Um favorite personal discovery of new <laughs> I'm excited to see Vernacular, which is a platform that's been launched by Arisa Keane, who's an artist based in Otatahi and focuses on creating discourse around artist-run spaces. I think that's an exciting discovery. There's just so many great artists who are sort of developing their practices. And here in Otipote, I'm also really interested in Megan Brady, who's an artist based here. Um, her work is really beautiful, um, sort of sculptural work, kind of looking at relationships with the built environment. The one I want to mention is in a show at the physics room right now and is by an artist called Honey Brown. The work's called Rewana Is. And one cool thing about this for listeners is that it's also online. So Honey has made a, a website with which you can interact and it's based on a kind of extended series of dialogues she was having with her family who live in Pornike during, she lives down here in, in Christchurch, but she was trying to learn how to make a great loaf of rewana bread of the sourdough, essentially. Her dad is awesome at, at doing this, so is her mum. So she had a lot of sources of knowledge there to go to. Ultimately, as you'll see in the in the website, she's, she hasn't yet been able to make this sort of perfect loaf of bread but in the process, you just learn so much about the kinds of relationships that keep us all alive and how these acts of making are incredibly closely or perhaps even are the same thing as who you are and, and how you are in the world. So I guess something I love about that work is maybe depending on what you sort of bring to it, but when it's in the gallery at the moment and I'll turn it on in the morning and when you sit down, some days I think it's like incredibly sad. There's messages between um, Honey and her mom, Katrina, and Honey sort of, saying like I suck I can't make this I can't make this work then other days I think it's like super funny there's a soundtrack that samples this notorious B.I.G. song I love the dough there's lots of references to dough <laughs> it encompasses a lot just through um it's conversations do I suppose but it's a very nuanced and beautiful kind of manifestation of those complexities of family relationships and learning and your sort of ambition uh, last question and Maybe this is also maybe just an opportunity to plug whatever you're working on or excited about. What shows are you looking forward to most in 2022? The Paimanu show that's down at DPEG, Tauraka Toy, um, mm. Landing Place, which I think Sophie's probably working on installing right now. I'm going to say it's next year because I think I won't get an opportunity to see it till next year. But um, I guess drawing on all these these things which have come up earlier in the conversation about arriving in a new place and having a sense of like um, the depth and the complexity of 
of relationships and particularly artist relationships with T.Y. Ponamu. Um, it seems like such an important show. It's also just going to be huge. And there's something about like knowing that you're going to go like a special trip to Otipoti and dive into the show and spend time. Yeah, it's definitely something I'm looking forward to at this end of the year. Mm, I'm also looking forward to the show being out in the world. Yeah, I think that I'm also like just hoping that we're going to be able to sort of have events and physical gatherings, but I'm also not holding my breath for that next year, but I'm really, really hoping. But aside from that, I know that Deborah Rundle has a show down here at Blue Oyster that I'm really looking forward to. I thought that her exhibition at Parasite, which again, I didn't see in person, looked really, really interesting um, up in Tamaki Makoto. But yeah, aside from that, I also don't really know what's coming up. I feel like lots of galleries programs have been kind of twisted and turned various ways by all of the lockdowns and chaos. And so I'm sort of excited to see what pops up. Yeah, I mean, ironically, I'm really looking forward to that show too. Maybe it's not ironic at all, but the um, Paimanu exhibition, you know, having spent some time with Arichur and hearing more about the thinking behind it and its approach is really quite exciting. Um, and the way it's working collaboratively, that's to me is just as exciting as the project itself. But also the the chance to see some new exciting commissioned work by Arata and Rachel Rakina. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I think it will be something to make a trip down to the South Island for, if I can. Mm. Mm. I like the idea of not knowing what next year looks like, to be honest, and being pleasantly surprised with the shows and the artists that come along and that grab our attention and imagination. Mm. I think going down the line, it'll be interesting to see how our reaction to and the impacts of COVID further down the line, both in terms of like a psychological way and also like a very practical, pragmatic way. So I know like there are painters who can't get certain materials because production has been halted. And that's only happening like a year after the fact, like things stopped in production. So we're gonna be encountering different problems and scenarios as we go forward. And then, you know, I kind of always, I also thought about it in terms of what's going to happen with like entertainment and like television when there's this like one year gap where like people haven't been able to make new things. And then a year's time, there's just going to be like a dearth of like <laughs> no TV or movies or something like that, you know? Circuit archive. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, just that comment around the studio and artists waiting on things. If anything, they lead the way in that innovation as well, whereby you create new means to, to, to express ideas or to, to make um, sense of connections. So I, I don't know many artists that don't see that, that proposition as uh, an exciting invitation to do it differently. I mean, we're all pivoting, so pivoting is part of what we're in at the moment, but I don't know, that's not all bad. Pivoting is not all bad. I think like for most artists, it's not even a, it's more of like, won't even question the difficulty of it. It's like, oh, this is just a, something that needs a solution. Yeah, like, exactly. What studio practice usually like is a lot of. Mm. Yeah. I was just thinking there's this opportunity, let's say at the moment, there's a bit of space to reflect back on stuff that's happened as well. Like I was just thinking of this morning and I was sort of getting my thoughts in order for what happened in 2021. Um, and I was thinking about Ruth Buchanan's 
uneven bodies, the reader that was that was brought together after the uh, exhibition and the conference of um, the scene in which I find myself at Garbutt Brewster. And I just thought I've sort of read different parts of that book throughout the year. It's been quite good. Like I think there is this thing that we're always hurtling with this kind of linear sense into the perceived future. And um, it's really quite good to just fold back and think about things that have happened, especially really significant exhibitions like that. There's so many voices in that, um, in that reader. I totally encourage you to look if you get the chance. You know, it's sort of like a, a deeper, richer sort of place than an exhibition as a one-off thing and then, and then flying forward into the next thing can sometimes be. So there's a bit of a, I don't know, a reset. There's, there's opportunities that come with that, with us all being stuck at home, yeah. reading lots of I think also there's been less to see as well, which is kind of means that what you, well, in the South Island, we've been lucky that we have been able to see shows in the second half of the year. But I think that for me, I've seen a lot less this year than I normally would, and I've travelled less. And I think that that kind of gives a focused attention to what is in front of you, which can be quite productive, this space to take a breath. I agree. I think it's a... um it's a very fast moving conveyor belt. So if the conveyor belt sort of slows down for a bit, then let's just take advantage of it. <laughs> Great point to leave it at. Thank you so much for joining me. Your insights and opinions you've been really generous with and grateful you made the time. No problem. Thanks, Robbie.